We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 273 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and with me today is Emil Evanesian. Emil, we've been through two preseason games. You ready to overreact? Absolutely. Lionel Messi is out in the world on Instagram and posting his best life after winning the Copa America. So, Emil, I do think it's always interesting, and part of this overreaction is knowing that the man who's going to basically play 90 minutes week in and week out, and maybe a little less this year because he's happy to sit on the bench, but I really doubt that. But the minute he comes back to play football, he's going to want to play football. So it's hard to tell, even from this 3-1 win over Girona, as much as most of the regulars are back in the squad, still there's no Messi, no Pedri, no Mangueza, Araujo just came back. And I'm no Eric Garcia. So it's not sure. fully complete yet, but we did see with the first 60 minutes. I know Memphis came off the bench, but that starting lineup of Pena, Balde, Umtiti, PK, Dest, Nico Gonzalez, Roberto, Puj, and then Mortimer, Minaj, and Demir. Uh, it was a little bit more of players that we'll see around the first team peripheral than we did with Peke Polo and uh, Escobar, who started up top in the next one. I, I do expect that Mortimer is even on top of them on the depth chart for Barca B, and he's probably in that 11, the player that we won't see at all in the first team dynamic if we do. Yeah, I mean, and then the, the story, I think, is Minaj wind up getting his gold and going out and then Memphis coming in. So I, I think the big talking point after now t- two or three days of this preseason friendly, I think it's Memphis, right? And trying to figure out the way that Kuman's going to use him because I think that's the most impactful thing. We'll talk about the individual players and the kids, but I think Memphis positioning is the number one topic to come out of this game. Yes. So the, the presumptive thing is that he will be on the left or through the middle. I guess he can sort of like, he can go on the right when... Messi's not on the right, but that's one of those things where you only get to drift out there when Messi is elected to drift elsewhere. I mean, from what I saw of him, he looked he looked great, and I mean, I think that's and I think that's one of the things. And you know, you and I you and I spoke about this, and I was less than enthralled with bringing Memphis on board, not because he's not physically talented, and you know, not because he's not a quality player. It was just sort of the the other fringe stuff and um, sort of whether he's going to be able to fairly seamlessly fit into a role rather than kind of being the spearhead of an attack, which, you know, he kind of has been at at Leon previously. I mean, 
I understand sort of the, the absence of Messi gave him a little bit of that, you know, there, there was nobody to kind of suck the oxygen out of the room. So he was able to kind of play as he would. And he looked, he looks fantastic. We kind of, you know, that he's a well put together sort of, he's not even stout. I mean, he's just, he's a really sturdy, strong guy. And that really jumped out at me. I mean, he's kind of, he's a physical profile player that Barcelona very seldom have. And I mean, very seldom have an attack. And he, I, yeah, like, I mean, I thought he looked great. Now, I think the, the question of where he actually goes is going to be a very pertinent one because, you know, there's obviously going to be messy and then that kind of leaves, what is it? I mean, are we saying like, it's kind of, on, as of right now, the way, as the squad is put together, it's Ansu Fati, Antoine Griezmann and Memphis sort of vying for the other, the other two spots in attack. I guess the question becomes who who sort of fits where. Theoretically, I guess you could put Memphis on the on the left, and you could play Griezmann down the middle. But you know you don't want to relegate Ansu Fati to the bench. So I mean, I think the, the that's where it gets a little bit sticky. Yeah, I mean, I think we saw what we will see. I think Memphis is going to play up through the middle in this kind mm-hmm. of setup with Kayato playing in a much more of a free role that we actually got yeah. to see him with in the previous preseason match. In the preseason, the first one. Again, Nastique, he was playing mainly as an interior, mainly as a right interior, trying to push forward onto that left foot, which was an, an odd combination for him to try to assume that space. And then against Girona, we saw much more of him on the right wing, defending on the right wing, and then having the ability to cut in, not even Messi-esque, but Callado-esque, as he did with Barca B. And then Memphis and Griezmann. Griezmann, I want to say that he was on the left wing, but he was defending via the left wing to the center. And then he was trying to make runs basically along the back line, no matter where he could get in, but also dropping a bit deeper than Memphis was. Memphis did drop deep at times, but that was only when the ball was being played to him. And then his momentum was almost bringing him backwards. It wasn't necessarily hold up play. Now he physically does have the ability to potentially hold up the ball, but I don't think that's going to be something that Barcelona is going to look to very often. That said, his runs in behind were actually what surprised me. He doesn't he didn't do that as much with France. I mean, uh, rather in with in France with Lyon or with the Netherlands national team. But clearly I think the instructions were I know Messi isn't here, but imagine if he is because the runs that Memphis was making is with the notion that Messi will be dropping deep as he does to try to look to spray a ball in. And we saw last year that those runs in behind that Messi would deliver dimes to if it wasn't Griezmann it had to be De Young for parts of that season and so this idea that both Griezmann and Memphis if on the field at the same time would would occupy that space same thing with Fatih that also for me on the reverse side it sets up your defense rather well and and does a better job of creating fortitude on the counterattack when it you can trust in two of your three forwards to make those runs in behind and even Messi though he'll make that run for Busquets with a combination that it seems like after a decade, nobody has figured out how to stop. And so right. I do look at some of those balls and runs that Memphis made, and I think, well, who was the player in that Busquets role that's going to be delivering those balls? And that's Pjanic, and that's not his game. So he wasn't really looking, right. that being Pjanic, to deliver balls up over the top. And not really De Young either. That's that's not necessarily who he is, but who that is is Busquets, and who that is is Messi. So I would not be surprised in the setup that Kuman ran out, at least against Girona, with Memphis making his debut. And it could have something to do with the fact that Fatih's not healthy and Dembele's not healthy and Messi's in playing. So that could change the calculation, sure. But with the way that it was set up and the way that Griezmann and Memphis were rolled out there along with De Young and Pjanic, 
I believe that Barca could run a bit of, and we've seen now a 4-3-3 both matches. So I think you could see a, what would be, I guess, a, a 4-3-1-2, I think you'd call right. that, with Messi being the one underneath Memphis and Griezmann. So it would be a little bit of a variation to what we're used to, but it would help in defending against counterattacks. And mm-hmm. it would not only allow, I think that's the only way that you get the space that Griezmann, Memphis, and Messi all desire. Well, I think it is that too, because, you know, we've kind of talked so much about how, you know, Messi has, Messi has the orbit and wherever he goes, there are at least two defenders sort of explicitly dedicated to him. And then on top of that, everyone is kind of hedging that way and shading and all the attention is that way. So I think by pulling Messi, you know, a little bit further away from the back line on occasion, you do kind of not only take the defenders that are tasked with trying to hang with him, but also everyone else, sort of their attention has to be cast a little bit away. And so even if they're only at kind of 80% full attention on their actual backline duties, that creates, I think, enough of an opening and enough, not quite chaos, but sort of, you know, it kind of takes takes enough of their mind off of off of the task at hand for, you know, guys who are as talented as Memphis and, and Griezmann to, to really attack and carve up those back lines. Yeah, and I don't want to read too, 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 too much into the performance of Griezmann, of Messi. Same thing with PK and Dest. Mm-hmm. The players that will be in the first team, I think they understand intrinsically as players, they understand that this is a buildup that now they'll go to Stuttgart and then they'll go to Red uh, Red Bull Salzburg and then it's the Juan Gamper trophy. So there's still a bit left to play. And obviously your captain isn't even in training yet. Again, he's posting workouts with his wife and, and yeah. swimming pools and, and all those different things. So yeah, I mean, it's those players that have something to fight for. And that's kind of how I viewed this match in particular of which players are clearly fighting for something and have something to prove. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the first team players on the fringes, as well as Mm -hmm. uh, the, I I think the, not only the first team players on the fringes, but the the youth players as well who could be breaking in. And I think it started in the first half, honestly, with Inyaki Pena. I thought he was good. I I think he, it's a reminder that goalkeeper, yes, Ter Stegen will be in net, but he did have a surgery. Ter Stegen is out for a little bit of time. Neto clearly is on the market. He said he wants to be a first team goalkeeper. And if you're Inyaki Pena, he, we know that he's a shot stopper. He's pretty good at playing with his feet. He's a good goalkeeper. And yeah. if he's a great keeper, we don't know because he plays in the third division in Spain and he'll have these these runs that are, that are fine. And to me, he's never been uh, the personality that's going to dictate a team. But mm-hmm. at a higher level, I, I do want to, I mean, I think he needs to be shown or needs to be given the opportunity to show what he could do, even as a backup. Is he good enough to be Ter Stegen's backup is a question that I, I think is hovering over there based on, on Neto being in the club or not. And what we saw in one half against Girona is that he's able to conduct a back line with PK and Umtiti and Dest mm-hmm. in front of him and kind of calm everything down and make the stops that he needs to. So, I, I mean, I was happy with, with Pena's first half, and I think he's pushing into that 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 air and I think that the club is also in a situation Emil that they can't pick and choose I think if Pena instead of sending him out on loan if you can get anything for Neto I think you can trust Pena I think he's been good enough and proven to be good enough that he could be the backup yeah I mean the body of work that we have to choose from is largely sort of what's taking place in the third division so you can only put kind of so much stock in that but by all accounts I don't know if being being groomed but he's going to come through the system and he's sort of progressing at that kind of that that logical normal normal rate and you know by all accounts he's he's a good keeper at, at his level and there's there's no reason to 
you know, kind of the, the aspiration is that he will one day be a first team keeper. Now, whether that's truly the number one or as a backup is to be determined, but at some point you have to actually go about determining that. And I think exactly like you said, I mean, the, and given the fact that like there's there's not the wherewithal to really go and play in the transfer market and try to get rid of Neto and just buy another backup keeper or anything mm-hmm. like that, so you're going to have to find one in house. Now, thankfully, you you have one in house potentially. He's deserving of a he's deserving of a shot. You know, I mean, I think you're almost the almost like in the reverse of kind of show me you deserve it. It's almost I would give him the backup goalkeeper role until he shows that he doesn't deserve it, and yeah. then. You obviously would need to have some sort of contingency in the event that that, that happens. Yeah, but, but I, I think you do though, because like you could grab yeah. somebody else in January, because that's what you're yeah, thinking. Yeah. You're thinking you're really only if he does fail, quote unquote fail, it's going to be from September to December. Then you bring somebody else in, and Arnaud Tanas is a year younger and or two years younger, and right on his heels as well. He'll be the Barca yeah. B goalkeeper this year, but. I mean, Naveed and I have been saying it for a few years now, and I give Naveed even more credit for being on Tanas earlier, that he, they're entirely different goalkeepers, but the potential yeah. of Tanas is a bit more tantalizing than what Pena gives you. But being a backup yeah. goalkeeper for FC Barcelona is not a bad thing. I and mean, Pinto made an entire career out of it. Right. I mean, it's, um, you know, I mean, you, you think of some of the guys who are like, it was always like the joke that was like Peyton Manning's backup. Mm-hmm. Just essentially basically didn't even need a helmet and whoever it was the guy he like there was the same guy for like a dozen years and no one even knew if he could actually play but it was you know and I, I say that in, I say that in jest but I mean Pena's deserving of a shot and I think he's he's arrived at a place where the club seems to have the the faith in him to at least acknowledge that that they're going to give him a shot like there doesn't seem to be a lot of hesitancy or, or trepidation about oh my god what are we going to have to do if we actually if we actually have to play this guy, I think there's a certain comfort level with him. I mean, no one really, neither of the goalkeepers really had much to do against him. Nasty, yeah. you know, in the, in the first game, there was more to do against, uh, against Girona. And yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, Pena played well. I mean, he, he answered every, he answered every call that he had to, you know, the goal that he gave up was on a, I mean, frankly, a really slick Penenka penalty, but um, yeah. you know, so that was, I, I thought he looked good. He didn't make any mistakes. he, Everything looked kind of organized. He, he did the job. If you love listening to us here on the Barcelona Podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast, just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. The summer of soccer continues on Paramount+. Plus. Stream over 2,000 soccer matches a year from around the world. That's all the heart-pounding drama from CBS Sports, including UEFA Champions League, Europa League, Italy Serie A, Argentina Primera Division, the Brasileiro, NWSL, the Asian Football Confederation, 
and the CONCACAF qualifiers, featuring the stars from the U.S. and Mexican men's national teams. Plus, much more. It's the best of the beautiful game, with all the beautiful names like Messi, Mbappe, Ronaldo, Rapino, and Pulisic. Be part of the excitement as champions are crowned and history is made. The world's game lives here on Paramount+. Plus. Visit ParamountPlus.com to start your free trial and stream every match live. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Yeah, let's move ahead to the fullbacks here. Now, I think they all work in tandem because the, the new contract news this week and the foursome, if you will, of PK, Roberto, Alba, and Busquets 
We know about those salary reductions. Those have been highly publicized that those four are being asked to take reductions. And it seems like with Roberto's salary reduction, it also seems to be a two-year extension that, that is apparently the one being rumored out there. And then Alba, it's being said that he's not accepting that salary reduction. He doesn't want it, yeah. Right, right. Um, I think that those negotiations are just beginning and he will budge a little bit more. But I understand the leverage that Jordi Alba has as opposed yes. to in Ilash Moriba, who I, I don't think we're going to have time today to talk about Ilash and his contract stuff because there's not really mm-hmm. any new updates other than the fact that he's getting abused on social media again, which you can go back to almost every time I talk about Ilash Moriba, I've been very outspoken about just the way that we speak about, the way that even people who aren't giving abuse speak about black athletes. And you can go back to the yeah. interview I did all the way with Kevin Williams last summer. And we... I, I think there are the ways that we can speak about these athletes too that that that, that do help them understand their place it, it, their, their larger place with the fan base and hopefully we can help them ignore or best ignore the, the way they can the abuse they get online but yeah I mean what, real it's, quick for you Emil it's, yeah it's astounding and like I mean it just I mean it's not astounding well yeah it's not surprising that, it's, it's zero like, surprising the abuse he gets but just, it's disgusting every time it's grotesque like yeah. it is just it's so unnerving and kind of disheartening like when you see this and it's just kind of and it, and it happens you, you know like you see it all the time it happens with clubs in england it's happening here and, and it's like the same just ridiculous cycle of like the the most horrific part of the fan base piping up i mean i've seen some of the some of the stuff that he that he's gotten and everything i mean just some of the stuff that i saw was i mean people were just I mean, it was in a comment section. None of it was actually directed at him, some of the stuff that I saw, but it was a lot of, you know, well, fine, let him go. Like, he doesn't want to say it. You know, like, everyone, the the notion that he might move to another, yeah, he might move to another club because they're willing to offer him double the salary. And, you know, I mean, I, I understand that there's there's this mentality of, you play for FC Barcelona. There is no, you know, greater honor in the sporting world and, you know, everything else. But at the same time, like, he's an individual guy who's managing his life and his career. And he's a promising young player. And if if there's a situation where there isn't a, you know, sort of a clear-cut path for him or, you know, there's any kind of doubt or – and there's another big club that's saying, look, we will pay you more money and – will give you a clear cut path to playing Yeah. for anyone to pretend that they're in their right mind for not only failing to kind of understand that just as a person with a, with a yeah. life and a family and a, and a career, but also to then rail against right. a young guy who is entertaining this option. I will never understand how, I mean, these are presumably like grown people who dress yeah, themselves right, and right. feed themselves and have jobs. Well, my only, and, my only slight little disagreement is about whether he's guaranteed playing time elsewhere. I, I think that's sure, I think the confusion sure. is that at FC Barcelona, he actually does have a clearer first path as an 18 year old than he would at some of the other beer clubs that are coming after him. But that said, to your point, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That as I as I kind of say often that these racist remarks and the ways that he's the, the ways that people hide behind a keyboard. They're unsurprising, 
but I also want to make sure that I don't normalize it, that I, I waste I waste our listeners' time by telling you that it's upsetting me every time, not for my own gratification, but just for the fact that I, I just need us to all be uncom- continue to be uncomfortable with the idea that there are way too many of the people in our lives that we may not know who they are, but they're hiding behind a keyboard. And so, I mean, the, the more that we can speak about this um, inherently, like if someone who does that is listening to this podcast, I hope you're just thinking about that. I hope you look in the mirror because you had me waste more of your time. I hope you fast forwarded me just because it's, it's going to happen every time. Every time I hear this, I'm going to say how disgusting it is. And, and that winds up well, the case. And until it, there's... It deserves to be said. It, yeah. it, it needs to be right. said. I mean, and until there's... Of, of all the stuff that we reiterate just in our lives and just in talking about sports and stuff like that. Like that's a drum that we can keep pounding, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, it's not, and it's not my, it's not, I'm, I'm, I have no way to fix social media. I mean, until there's actual punishments, mm-hmm. until there's actual, you have to use your own username. And uh, unless comments can ever be tracked back to an individual and that individual mm-hmm. can actually have some kind of ramification, have some kind of punishment other than having his account shut down where he can just create an, or she can create a no, new account. Yeah. So, right. Uh, but okay. Let's move back to yeah. the fullbacks yeah. here. Because talking about Alba, uh, we're also speaking about how knowing next season, it's basically going to be Alba, Dest, Emerson. And I think the idea that Dest's going to back up Alba as the left back when he's not playing right back is something that we're going to have to get very used to because Emerson could play 60% of the time, which means mm-hmm. that Dest could play 40% of the time or 50% of the time, and Alba's going to play 70% of the time. I know that doesn't add up to 100, but there's also two different spots on the field and you're going to get random bits. Yeah, it actually has to add up to 200 and I think you're basically there. Yeah, well, and then we're also saying that Roberto is there as well. And Roberto winds up being the big, big question because I think he's better as a midfielder, but he's so far down as as Lavon and I, this is almost rehashing a bit of what we did last week with Roberto and Demir and things, but Roberto was fifth or sixth on the depth chart at this point as a midfielder, but now he's also fourth on the fullback chart, and now he's going to get a two-year extension. I know everyone says, get Roberto out of my club. He's a player that is never going to get a compliment anymore. He's done. He can't ever achieve. He can't ever do anything, but he does make some runs into the box. He does serve a purpose. He does work hard as a midfielder. I think if he only played midfield, he would get a lot less hate than he does if he's playing a fullback, especially if he was a bit player, but because he has regularly started in 85% of all matches over the last three to four years uh, that's the, the reason he gets hate because i don't think yes. he's and i think we all agree that he's not to that level and, and that said alejandro balde in preseason does raise questions he and not just levon or myself and navid or you it's not just us who've said that he's a year away i think it's always been the idea that because of the injuries he, he took last season he wasn't able to make the defensive jump he needed to mm-hmm. now i'm optimistic at the fact that playing next to the likes of Langley and TT PK and these first team players defensively, his positioning has been better. And I don't know if that's because of their organization, their leadership, but there is something about his teammates improving that has also improved the way that I I think he's able to position himself on the field. So I think that the idea that he couldn't get some first team minutes, if, and Roberto won't be moved now, Dest won't be moved. He turned down Bayern Munich. So mm-hmm. I, I think the, the the rotation of four is set at the fullback position, but if Balde does break in in some in some regard, I I'm again I'm pleasantly surprised in the preseason to see just how comfortable he does look. And against Girona, he wasn't just good because he's a young player. I thought he was one of the good players in that he game. Was, he was good. Yeah, and right. I mean, so I would uh, kind of to your point, I would not be surprised if he works his way into you know, a role on the first team. Now, not, not starting, not even necessarily playing every game, but 
provided you can stay healthy and sort of if if the the mindset because I know the the level of competition too has been different you know in in these two games than than it will be week in week out in you know in the Liga or you know the Champions League and you know latter stages of the Copa del Rey or anything but just the the attitude that he brings in it's been it's been said before I mean I'm not breaking new ground but it's a, he's the rare kind of Barca defender that like he takes on opposing players when he has the ball and he he does it in a way like he does it in a very kind of innate self-assured way it's almost you know i mean obviously sure he was taught this at some point he was taught this long enough ago where it seems like it's second nature to him now like this is the way that he plays he doesn't have to be convinced to be more aggressive or kind of uh to attack in a particular way and i love that style and i think he presents a really good change of pace from what kind of the i mean i guess you know contrasting to, to jordi alba for instance and Jordi Alba is in in some ways kind of with with the directness of Balde's attacks is kind of the the diametric opposite to to how Jordi Alba would you know kind of approach some of the same situations and I would like to kind of encourage Balde and kind of see let him kind of take root and and kind of see what kind of player he he can blossom into because I think in terms of you know physical ability he's got everything you need I think the the point that you brought up too about him being better when he's surrounded by better teammates, I think that is, you know, some players are like that. And, you know, they kind of, there's a peace of mind that comes with knowing the the guy playing beside you is experienced and, you know, fully competent and he can hold down the fort there. Yeah. And the guy who's coming in to, to fill in for you when you kind of, if you make a run forward, you know that he knows what he's doing to, you know, a very, very high level. And so you can kind of focus on your role and kind of performing your functions and not also thinking, oh man, if I get caught out of position, what happens here? Yeah. And so I I do think there's a little bit of that, you know, he's almost being elevated, you know, he's being elevated further just by virtue of having, you know, a lot of competence around him. Not that the guys he's playing with, you know, typically aren't competent, but, you know, they're right, not right. Yeah. It's Barcelona guys. Right, it's yeah. no disrespect so. to Ramos Mingo or Ana Comas, but they're also yeah. trying to push forward and improve his players. They're also just 20 years old, both of them. And exactly, Comas yeah. being 21. I mean, and the age thing, I, I as I'm watching these preseason matches, I do want to try to unbreak my thinking because I can never seem to find this happy medium between doing what Naveed and I like to do. And let's say if we see a 14 or a 15 year old go, okay, maybe he's got some first team potential and get excited about young players or at some point admit that yes, Fati and Pedri are, are great exceptions, but also Dest made the move to Barcelona, made the move to Barcelona when he was still a teenager. Uh, Puj came up for the first time when he was 19. He was even older, if you will, when he was able to work through the Barca system. And Callado, if anything, is almost a little bit of exception, being 22 years old, finally getting an opportunity to break through. So I try to unhinge my brain and find the happy medium that I never find between saying, oh, that young player is already ready for the first team, or that age is kind of just something that we don't, that it, it seems to be arbitrary in the modern game where all these other young players are so advanced because the professional development nowadays begins at the age of eight or nine or 10. And as I've been saying for many, many, many months now with Fatih and Pedri, that burnout for these teenagers is real and it's going to hurt the back end of their careers. Maybe because sports science is getting better all the time as well. So maybe these careers 
are elongated in ways they wouldn't have been when you brought up 17, 18, 19-year-old Wayne Rudy, Wayne Rooney, and Rooney when he was 18, 19 years old. Yeah, he was a big body, but I mean, he was getting hacked to bits when he first came up with Everton. Yeah. That was a different. That was a different game, even the way that the, the athletes recover, the way that uh, even the fouls that are allowed from England to Spain is different. Also, now 20 some years later, it's all different. Now, conversely, though, I think the the one thing where I, I do think that the that burnout could be real is just the the general trend in just the way that the the sport itself, the the professional sport, is evolving. Yeah, too many matches. And I agree. Just more matches. Like they're every every alphabet soup organization is trying to dream up another like another tournament that they can squeeze into a three week window when theoretically these guys would be on vacation. So I do think there's that. I mean, you know, slowly but surely these guys are being asked to play, you know, if your team is successful in, in the champions league and you're really playing for something in the league and the cups and everything. I mean, these guys are being asked to play, you know, 60, 60 plus games. Right. And, you know, and if you're really good, there's a decent chance you get called up for international duty as well. Yeah. And, then and then so that's 70 you know, plus like memories yeah. and all this and long haul flights and, you know, who knows what else. And so, I mean, there's, but that's, that's just a structural difference. I mean, that's a, that's a thing that's going to impact, you know, kind of every good to great player yeah. going forward. Right. And we'll have to, we'll have to get sort of track this over. We'll, we'll have another referendum for this in 20 years. Okay. Leading yeah. to the, the final point though, is that Balde at this point, because I've been talking about him since he was 15 mm-hmm. years old on this show or the La Masia profiles I used to do on Barca blog, or I always did the, I mean, I always do every six months. I do the La Masia updates on the YouTube channel. And Balde has been one I've been highlighting since he was with the Cadet Oz uh, when he was at the, the U16 levels and playing up when he was a 15-year-old. But now he's 18 years old. He'll be 19 this year in March. So now at 18 years old, as a backup left back to make seven or eight appearances, that's not crazy. That's not a crazy idea. And the same thing with Nico Gonzalez breaking in at 20. Nico's yeah. been with the club for close to a decade. I mean, so it's at the point where... Nico wasn't good in the first preseason match. I think he took some risks as far as trying to dribble his way out of trouble, trying to be the pivot that Barcelona wants. And I think he was emboldened to say and be given the opportunities to fail. And I think, he, again, he struggled. But Nico, of what I saw, he's only been playing the defensive midfield spot at a professional level, that being in the third division of Spain or in the first team, for now going on three months. And that's yeah. not a long time to be paying the pivot and learning that position. Not that he didn't already know it, because again, he played at youth level, sure, sometimes. But he was playing in the third division as an interior and now working his way backwards to that pivot spot. It's a different responsibility when the players are bigger and stronger and faster. And I think it's going to take a little bit of time. But he also didn't look completely healthy or right. We know he had the stomach issue uh, for the first yeah. game, so we missed that. And this is his very first preseason matchup in his debut when he didn't even you know he wasn't really in training the week before because of that the the stomach issue so for Nico I throw it out the window I just say I'm happy that he made his debut and very much like Balde I could see him getting six to ten appearances this season or if Irash Moriba doesn't resign and actually does leave the club then Nico Gonzalez could get 15 appearances it would be more I think Yeah. yeah no I agree when I think the Kind of to that point, I mean, speaking of Nico specifically, but I mean, I guess you could almost kind of uh, apply it to Balde as well, but but definitely as far as uh, what you were saying about Nico is that he's playing a new position and kind of new surroundings. Now, I know the, the Barcelona, the, the superstructure is all the same, 
but he's playing playing in a first team shirt with first team players and he's playing a position like you said he's only been playing for a handful of months kind of as at a relatively like top level i'm kind of a big fan of i think patience is kind of a funny thing because if you sometimes you watch someone who's struggling and you you almost can see that there are whether it's kind of foundational issues mm-hmm. and you you know sometimes you can watch someone struggle and just be like oh no i just i don't know if they fully get the job that they're yeah, being right, asked sure. to do whereas someone else it's he gets the job that he's being asked to do he's just super young and doing it for the first time at this level i mean there's there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be there's going to be rocky performances you know what i mean like that that happens and but i but i think kind of structurally foundationally he's like he he knows what the job is like he's he knows the, he knows the task he knows the system and so i think it really is just a question of getting getting reps and getting minutes yeah. and working through those mistakes and doing things well and sort of having that coached into him that you know see when you do this stuff well like it just makes your life so much easier and but here's here's where you stumble when you do stumble so let's try to work that out and i mean i think it's just going to be a, a progression with him but with him i'm i'm very very sort of encouraged and he he's another guy that i would love to see get sort of within reason um as many kind of first team opportunities and first team minutes as kind of as is practical and as are kind of available to go around yeah, I also think he improved, just like Demir in the first match, he improved as the time went on. So when he came out in the 60th minute, he did look like he was more uh, more adjusted. And yeah, I also want to mention too that Samusae is they did man-mark him in a way that in the third yeah. division, that usually doesn't happen. In the third division, they just kind of go down into a low block, usually, or a medium block if it's a team in the third division that has a little more, more belief. So with Nico being by a player that belongs in the first division, honestly, in Samo Saez, yeah. and then as well as Stuani helping on that backside. Those are experienced players. Those are players that belong in We're the league. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Too, yeah. And so for him to see that look and then to work with PK, you could see PK pointing to him mm-hmm. and trying to direct traffic, and you can see him just getting more comfortable as it went on, and then Roberto and Pooh supporting him. So I would love to do the Pooh thing here, but... Levon and I beat that beat that dead horse last week. So you can go back and listen to the Pooh stuff last week. Nothing has changed. It's the same Ricky Pooh's we're trying to get out. Um, he was actually that being Levon at the game. So he did say that he thought Pooh's was good in person. And I thought Pooh's from my eye was, was good too. So he should be a part of the first team. And then Demir, the only line I have for you about him, Emil, again, mm-hmm. you'll have plenty of time to talk about him this season. But for me, I'm happy after the second preseason with Demir in that his floor I always think about what a player's floor is, mm-hmm. and I think Demir's floor is very high. I don't know what his ceiling is, and I think it's unfair to players because we compare them based on their ceiling. That's why he was called the Austrian Messi because we, you know, and no one's ceiling is Messi. But to me, as a professional, here's here's my hot take. I think his floor is Samir Nasri, and when Samir uh, Nasri was good, Samir Nasri was very good, of course, with Arsenal and Man City at the top of his game. And I actually think whether it's at Barca or not down the road. I think Yusuf Demir's floor is a, is a Samir Nasri type player. We'll know he'll always be making national team appearances for Austria because of the competition. Mm-hmm. He's that talented already where he's already in the fold there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, other if unless for injuries, this kid seems to have the professionalism, the, the understanding of the game, the understanding of positioning, the understanding of when to get a shot off, of when yeah. to pass. I mean, he seems to have this inherent understanding of the sport that 
again, I'm not, that's why I'm not saying Austrian Messi, but I'm saying that I think he's going to be a very good professional for a long time, even if it takes him till 23, 24 and a second stop to really hit that top, top level. I think Demir is a very good player who has a very high floor. And that is what excites me the most about him. Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I think that, I mean, he just, um, it always kind of comes back to this sort of thing. Like, you know, it's kind of when you're talking about floor, it's just, he he seems like a guy who who knows the things that he's trying to do and the things that he's meant to be doing. And it always just comes down to the question of kind of finding that, you know, getting that, getting the, the Rubik's Cube right and just kind of, you know, understanding uh, when to be aggressive and exactly how to be aggressive and which passes to make and when to just kind of rein it in and be conservative for, for a particular passage of play and things like that. I've enjoyed, you know, in these very brief stints that I've seen so far, I've, I've enjoyed watching him play. And I think, I mean, his talent is apparent and like he, he plays hard, you know I mean? He doesn't, for, for someone who's been called the Austrian Messi, like he doesn't, his MO doesn't seem to be almost like swanning around the, the field trying to just be the next Messi. Well, yeah, I mean, like we say he, that tongue-in-cheek, too, because Alan Halilovic yeah. was also called the Croatian Messi, we remember. Oh, I know. Everybody, yeah. there's, a, there's a, a blank, yeah. blank country but I, of origin but Messi. But I guess the thing is, like, like, he's a player that knows he's good, but he, he, he doesn't kind of give off the vibe of a self-appointed superstar even you know even within the squad where there were you know where there is no Messi and just kind of even when he's playing with sort of the the less star-studded Barcelona he's conscious you know consciously or just kind of innately he's part of a team like he understands that he's a talented player that's part of a a whole Mm -hmm. rather than trying to be he's not trying to show out like the entire individual and you know kind of turn himself into the next you know kind of like the the next hot thing like he's just He's, he's playing the game. Yep. Moving on to, I think, the combination of Umtiti, Pjanic, and Minaj. We're not going to talk about them just because I think that they're they're playing out in preseason to potentially be moved on. It's more for Umtiti and Pjanic. It's what's happening with their contracts, with other clubs behind the scenes, and where can they be moved to? At what point? Minaj the same way. He'll probably be gone this week, but his final week at Barcelona was a good one where he potentially, yeah. <laughs> you know, I said to Levan uh, that it was going to be three to six million and it seems like the market is three to five. We'll see if he goes for that. It might be less. Levan still might be right about that. But Minaj with another goal, that's four in the two preseason matches. It's, and even in 35 minutes, that's a good sign. But the last player I want to talk about individually before we, basically we're going to be breaking down our 25 squad picks uh, to end the show. So before we do that, I brought up Puj and I saw today something that kind of frustrated me in that, there was a report from Gerard Romero, who is one of the, we'll say beat reporters, but he's one of the big voices in, 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 in Barcelona in understanding the team. And sometimes as a journalist, he gets it right. Sometimes he gets it wrong. And today he said mm-hmm. that Gabi has moved above Puj in the depth chart. And it stinks because I think now this story about Gabi is being, being shaded through the lens of the, the Puj minutes, which mm-hmm. I, I think is... As Levon and I talked about last week, we did the whole Pooch thing. So I don't want to do the Pooch thing. I want to do the Gabi thing. Because to me, at 16, it goes to the, the ball they age consideration. That Gabi is a good player. And not a good player. I, we, I, I again said about floor. Gabi's floor is incredibly high. And I know it feels weird. I'm trying to get... I'm trying to reckon with the fact that between Fati and Pedri and Gabi and and Balde, and maybe, and maybe even Nico, maybe even Puj, that 
Barca have this huge contingent of 16 to 21 year olds or 20 year olds or whatever it may, may be with Puj being a little yeah. older. They have this uh, five to six to seven players who could really impact this club for the long haul. And yep. it's as much as all the other, right? Because my brain is, and yes, you were in there too. My brain is telling me that it's, it's irrational and it doesn't make sense to have this many young, talented players all in the same squad at the same time. That doesn't make sense. And it's not going to work out because not everybody gets minutes and not all these players are going to be able to have the time to develop their skills and reach that highest level. That might be right. true, but as we're going to see with this 25 squad list, Barcelona are in a moment financially when this, this is the only time that this would happen. This would not have happened at any juncture in the last 10 years. But if there surely is a six to seven player generation that is prepared to take over in this huge passing of the torch, this is financially for Barcelona the moment to do that. Because if Ronald Koeman is looking for that other center midfielder, the market plus what Barca can actually use on a transfer, they can't yeah. write. And so for the first time ever, this that player that Koeman wanted and as the midfielder, he would have arrived three weeks ago in yeah. any other season. But he is not on the move. I mean, we don't even know who that's going to be or if he can show up because Barca haven't even been able to register the players that they've already brought in on free transfers. And they're working on all the salary stuff negotiations. So this would be the moment for Gabi to be 16 and to get some minutes. And as far as his understanding of the game, he doesn't make poor decisions. It just seems like he is always making the right decisions. He's always moving. And you could see the impact. It's the same thing where I've said it. Other than Messi, yes. Iniesta, and this is an easy player to have as your favorite player ever. But Iniesta, very much the way Xavi kind of read a game, Iniesta always felt when the ball was at his feet, not only was he going to make the right decision, but he was just one pass away from the game changing. He was one pass away from something happening. And with Gabi, every time the ball is at his feet, it's not just me hyping him up. There's this idea that he, as he's getting more comfortable, he had a ball that he played into Griezmann that, that was in, that he split, he split the back line and and a through ball there. And that only happened after the previous six passes, which were all completed were either sideways or backwards or uh, slightly perpendicular to the wings. And then then at that moment, it looked like he was going to do the exact same thing. He winds up turning on the ball and playing that ball immediately. So it's that it, he didn't get into the habit of playing that same backwards ball or that lateral ball to keep the ball moving. He does that. He mm-hmm. keeps the ball moving the way that we expect the top, top La Masia players to do. But then he's also, he uses those patterns to lull the opposition into this under this belief that he's going to do something and then he does something else that his teammates yeah, if created, they're prepared yeah, for he kind of creates gaps with right and yeah, with, with the other team's relaxation yeah and if he was 22 23 years old i mean i'd be screaming from the top of my house to all my neighbors who don't care that hey this kid needs to be in the first team but because yes. he's 16 and he's going to be 17 in a few weeks. So, right? Was it between a six and a seven? Because I'm a 17 year old. Right. Well, it makes a little more sense. But as a 16 year old, like, ah, man, that's young. That's like Cadet Ah. Usually players yeah. are playing into Cadet Ah at 16. And God, he's good. <laughs> he's really good. And I think he's that really good. his talent I mean, says that he should be around he's, the first I guess, team. like the most extreme example. And sort of, I'm, and if you can't tell, and I think we're probably going to get into this momentarily, mm-hmm. I am. So there's a couple of things, like like you said, there's the this moment that Barca are in, both because of all the financial kind of the restrictions and all the the hamstringing that's happened there, 
while the the while the old guard are still capable and good and in some cases great and very great you know you have kind of that that old guard the the recognizable sort of backbone of what Barca has been for the past like decade or dozen years those guys are at some point or another aging out and I mean even you can even throw what is it like Antoine Griezmann's plan is to play what two more years in Barcelona and then go to MLS and mm-hmm. sort of do his thing there and so there's very much I mean there's probably any number of you know anywhere from three to six or seven players who even if they're not moved out this year because of the financial reasons you know within a couple of years within two or three years are going to be very much at the at the final stages of their careers if not you know retired already and you have this chance and these this handful of guys i mean in, in my estimation i guess it's what like maybe six guys who are potentially any one of them individually has the potential to be you know a star or a superstar mm-hmm. and the the likelihood of every one of them hitting is probably not that high just because you know law of large numbers i mean it just you know yeah not every prospect hands out i do think that you can kind of it's a generation to dream on and it's the sort of thing where if three of these guys hit and you have this situation where three of these guys from 17 18 19 years old are playing together at camp now and they know they know that pressure. They know that, you know, the, the pitch there has become their office since they were <laughs> teenagers. And I, I recognize that it might not happen, but very rarely do you even get a chance to sort of buy that lottery ticket. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, you know, what? maybe it's more my, like, kind of, it's like my, my gambler's heart showing, but like kind of yeah. part of me is just, why not see if, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle, you know, again. I mean, look at the generation that just happened. Like, it would have been very easy to, you know, sort of veer away from certain things. And But, I mean, give it a give it a shot. And also, the good thing is, financially, you have cover. Like, yeah. you can't, no one can accuse you of being cheap because you're literally forcibly not allowed to spend money. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at, not even generationally, but these players, I mean, Gabi and Araujo are almost five years apart, uh, but we mm-hmm. do consider them in the same generation because they're breaking through in the same two to three year time. window. But realistically, I think it's Nico, Demir, Balde, and Gabi. They're the ones who aren't already in the, the first team peripheral, but mm-hmm. you have Dest, you have Emerson, you have Fati, mm-hmm. you have Pedri, you have Garcia, you have Puj, you have Callado, Mingueza, and Araujo. All of those are under the age of 22. Oh, and Ilash Muiba. And Pena. Yes. They're all 22 yes. or younger. And that whole list of players, you don't have to, you only are bringing in or breaking in Nico, Demir, and Balde, and Gabi. Those four are the only four that aren't already in the first team picture and already have some kind of established thing. Because we'd expect right. that even if Mengetha reg- regresses a little bit, the first year he had him at FC Barcelona in their first team was already a positive. It was already something. Same it was thing fantastic, with, yeah. Right, same thing with Emerson at Real Betis and Eric Garcia with the Spanish national team at the Euros, right? If you're getting yeah. 75% of all of those players, they're still good players in the first team. And I think that leads us perfectly into talking about Barcelona's squad because usually it's 25. So what I asked yep. you to do and what I did is we made lists of how you fill out that 25. And let's see who's different. So 
I said that I had 20, I, excuse me, I had 19 locks in my 25. You had 16. So give me your yes. 16, and I want to see how they compare. So I guess go okay. slow, take about a second to read each, but go ahead. Okay. So I'm going to try to kind of do it by position. I sort of, uh, I freestyled it a little bit, so I didn't end up doing perfectly by position. But so, you know, we have uh, Terstegan, and I included Iñaki Pena in my, you know, as the, the backup as the first team backup, just kind of breaking camp. Um, partly because I think we talked about, you know, Neto, his future is uncertain and he wants first team football. And, you know, so, and then going from there, I have Piquet, Serginho Dest, Araujo, Emerson. So now we get into, and uh, I have Eric Garcia in there as well. Now we're getting into the sort of the Umtiti Lenglet territory where I didn't put them on the locks, not because they wouldn't be sort of in a vacuum, mm -hmm. but I know they're also kind of the, they're, they're some of the financial right, right. fat that is sort of, the, that is desperately trying to be cut. Be right. so, we don't know if they're for actually that reason, going to be. I did not include them. And then elsewhere, you know, we have Busquets, Messi, Pedri, uh, Frankie Young, Memphis, Cunaguero, Collado, and Ansu Fati. Did I get everybody? Did I say Minguesa? Because Minguesa's on there too. Okay. So that's my 16. Okay. So I see the the three that you that I had that you didn't is even though Alba's going through his salary stuff, I had him mm -hmm. as a lock just because I don't see how that negotiation doesn't get done and they don't lower that because of Barcelona, sure. their left back situation. Due to Dembele's injury, I have Dembele as a lock because even though his contract is up next summer, I, yeah. Barcelona with him injured is not in a position to sell him. So mm -hmm. now they're at a point where it would behoove the club to renew him and then sell him. That's probably what's going to be what's going to happen, whether it, he sold in January. But I, it seems like they're moving on. No matter what, renewing him is good for him and for the club because that means the next club is going to pay him that wants him. But if he, they're able yeah. to negotiate something that another club would be willing to pay so he can move on it might be best for everybody involved. So that's why I, I said Dembele is a lock for the squad because I can't see him leaving now based on his contract situation. And then I also included Puj because I do understand the argument, but I just think with the amount of, if that other center midfielder doesn't come, especially since Elash Moriba is not on that list and the other center midfielders we mentioned were already Nico and Gabi, that that's why I put... Puj on that list because even if he sees Roberto as a midfielder above Puj and I can't imagine that Kayato is above Puj on the depth chart either because if he was he would have been last year yeah so that's why I had Puj in there but I totally understand the argument so I mean we're going to use my judgment there to take us yeah. to 19 so that means that and I add the caveat that 29 through 32 on my list so Pena wasn't actually in my 19 either that's why if again if you're trying oh, to do this okay. on the fly you actually didn't mention Roberto, did you? No, so uh, I so I will add Sergio Roberto to mine. Like okay. I, I had kind of jotted his name elsewhere on there, and uh, I, I didn't make the neatest of lists, but okay. I, I meant to kind of put him on there because of the because his contract situation got sorted out. So that right. was the the delineation between him and Jordi Alba being, you know, not that Barca would actually want to get rid of him or that he would want to leave or anything like that, but. You know, if you are at this impasse and in in different ways, Jordi Alba and 
Ricky Pooch, both kind of in markedly different ways, they kind of fall under the same, into the same category for me, mm-hmm. which is guys that for one reason or another, whether it's playing time or financial considerations and things like that, that, and Alba, obviously any transfer fee would be probably not all that substantial, but they are, they fall into the category of guys that at least like Barca can recoup some, some sort of a, you know, greater than zero transfer fee for, as well as, you know, move on for the financial considerations. Yeah. Now, so taking those they, they almost work in opposite where, you know, Ricky Booge would probably, he'd probably bring in a decent transfer fee. Well, I don't know, his, maybe between 10 and 15 million, which I don't know if yeah. that's the kind of player that you'd want instead of 10 to 15. I think he's worth 10 to 15 to the club. I don't know. Right. And so he would kind of bring more money than his salary would save. And Alba's True. almost like the, the opposite. He would, he'd bring probably a nominal transfer fee, but clearing the decks, you know, would yeah. kind of eat some of the financial pain. So with that list, it takes us to 20 with what we have okay. discussed here. Now, Nico Gonzalez, Demir, Balde, and Gabi were not in that because I want to remind everybody that they're going to be registered with the B team and yeah. they can make a, n- a number of appearances with the first team being with the B team. So they will probably, that four, I can almost guarantee you the four that four unit will get Champions League numbers as Mingetha did last year before he was ever called up even. So I was actually surprised when Mingetha got a first team Champions League number early on in the season, but he did. And so I think Nico, Demir, Balda, and Gabi will. But it's again, it's better for the club to register them as B-team players. And if they have to mm-hmm. reevaluate that, say, in January, then they will. Or they will become first team players based on the objectives, let's say, in their contracts. And so that those will take place once those objectives are reached in the contracts. They'll become first team players autom- almost automatically, and then they'll be registered as such. So that's why I'm saying they're going to probably start the year certainly register with Barca B instead of registering with the first team because it's helpful to do it in, in that way. So here's the place where we end the show. Uh, yeah, because the, I would, uh, yeah. the, the one point I wanted to make, so I had those four sort of, I didn't have them on my sort of locks for the team mm-hmm. list, but I had them on my third list, which was sort of, you know, the kids that could make a splash. And, um, you know, but I kind of have like stars next to each of them. Yeah. In terms of if you can, if you can free up a little bit of wiggle room and just kind of clear out one or two veterans and, you know, in the midfield and, you know, here and there, I would be just wildly enthusiastic about um, getting those guys, getting those guys exposure and experience and kind of letting them do what they're going to do and see, seeing kind of, if you have another a star or a superstar in your hands. Yeah. And, and so the final point is the, we have, I have now 21 through 29. So yeah. uh, the accumulation of 10 players that will fill out the remaining five spots. So mm-hmm. there are so many players. So I, I know for everyone who says, Roberto, get him out of my club. Busquets too slow. PK too slow. Mm-hmm. The reason we did this experiment is to remind people that Barca don't even have that many players. I know you want, again, right. Nico and Demir things, but that the, the ones that everybody trusts, and we even named four players that everybody on the internet at least seems to say, I can't, I can't handle that person at my club. I hate them so much. Get them out, right? And yeah. we're still just at 20 players. So of mm-hmm. Lengley, Umtiti, Griezmann, Coutinho, Brothwaite, Pjanic, Ilas Moriba, Ray Minaj, and Neto, you'd expect that five of them will probably still be registered with the first team and still be at the club in uh, three weeks or, well, whenever it's up. Yeah, so in a month's time. 
And so that's why you look at Langley and Umtiti. I think Langley is going to be at the club next next year. I, I think I'd put it a 88% that Langley is still going to be a first team member. I think Griezmann, the reason why you're seeing the salary reduction rumors now yeah. is because I think that Atletico Madrid swap with Saul, when you look at how much Griezmann makes and the clubs that can afford him, I think that was the only lifeline. Unless something yeah. else comes from from out of the blue or from the top rope, Griezmann... Well, like, he doesn't want to go to PSG. I mean, PSG right. had interest in him, but he himself, I think, doesn't want to go there. Right, he and... wants to stay at Barcelona. And if he's making that much, yeah. the club might... Mm-hmm. The club might say, hey, if you really want to be here, we need a salary reduction. And maybe he will do that because he makes as much as he does. But yeah, you're talking Lingley. I think Griezmann will still be around. When even speaking about Aguero coming to the club, I can see with Ray Minaj getting sold, maybe Brothway is still on the bench there. And then the same thing with Iras Moriba. This is not done. I know they're going through negotiations, but it's not done yet. So I almost, until he's gone, I consider him a member of the first team because he will be with the first team if he stays. And so that even is only four players. So that means that one of Umtiti, Coutinho, Pjanic, uh, I think Ray Minaj will be sold. And then Neto, if there's a third goalkeeper and they can't move him, but if they don't move him, you're expected to have Iñaki Pena. So even with the four that I mentioned, we're at 24, right? So do you think Umtiti, Coutinho, Pjanic, or Neto, one of those four will even continue on at the club, thinking that Ray Minaj is out? I think so. And I mean, I think... You can get rid um, of Brothway too, because I, I kind of forced that add-on just because Brothway got me to 24. And so did the Ismoriba. Uh, Those two got uh, me to 24. Without them, we're at 22. No, I think Brothway, the, the... So this is where it comes down to the, the situation of... I mean, I actually, not as a first-team Barcelona player, I feel like I don't want to open myself up to that. I kind of like Brothway as a player. You know what I mean? I feel yeah, like he's just kind of being thrust onto the... Barca team sort of almost being like shoehorned in when he was brought in and everything kind of invited a level of scrutiny that I think he never asked for and kind of, you know, he doesn't deserve. I think he's like a perfectly fine player. And that's why I think he, the only reason I think he might, he's likely to be gone is I think that he can be had by, he's not the kind of guy that has to go to a Man United, Man City or PSG or, you know, there's a, there's a far larger range of clubs where he can go in and make a contribution and be probably, you know, possibly even be close to a sort of a mid table star rather than sort of a a top of the table, you know, role player bench guy. And so I think, and the, the, the price that it would take to get him, I think is more palatable than it, like he would bring in something while at the same time not being, so pricey as to kind of price himself out of all but a handful of clubs. So that's why I think just he's, he's a saleable, like, and I hate to kind of use this term, but he's sort of, he's a saleable asset in that sense, you know? Yeah. Just because we have to wonder what he's worth. Cause like, if I'm Mallorca who just came up, if I'm Mallorca, I'm taking my entire, my entire transfer budget, which is probably only like 3 million. And I'm just hoping that he agrees, but I don't even think that's a club that's going to afford him. I think he's probably worth a little bit more than that. Be, but I don't know yeah, I with, so with the goals. Because I remember even when, yeah. when he was with Leganes, he looked, you know, I mean, watching watching like Leganes play other sort of uh, think of like kind of the the random La Liga teams that Leganes might play, sort of right. a, a Levante or a Hitafe type, and he looked head and shoulders above his teammates, just yeah. about okay. everyone else, every one of his teammates. Yeah, I mean, the runs that he would make and just kind of the the. The, the speed and kind of incisiveness that he would run with. I mean, he's he's not first-team Barcelona good, but he's 
better than most clubs yeah. in the in the top tier. Well, yeah, same thing. Like if I'm Celta de Vigo, who should be finishing, <laughs> thinking they're going to finish mid-table, I'm yeah. praying that I can get some Iago Aspas insurance through Brothwaite. Right. Um, now, that's the thing about Brothwaite. Maybe he's not going to stay in Spain because as we're talking about the numbers that he might be worth, I don't think any Spanish clubs, it's not just Barcelona dealing with transfer stuff. There's no mm. club in Spain that has any money to spend on transfer. Yeah, no one's really flush. No. Right, that is a problem all across Spain, and that is a conversation for a much, much uh, different time. For a different day, um, yeah. So if Brothwaite is gone, I can see how the Barcelona is probably calling all the Premier League clubs in the bottom or the projected bottom half of that table and saying, you know, hey, we have a guy that he's on the fringes of our team, so we'd prefer for him to be on the fringes or potentially starting for your team. So could you fork over 12 million euros or, or 14 yeah. million euros, right? Is, is that, is that in, what can we in do In my here? mind, he goes for about 15 million euros to a, to a club that kind of finishes, say, like 14th in the Premier League. Like a Brighton, you know, like, like, like a, a Brighton and Hove, sort of or a trajectory that I could see. Yeah, well, I mean, he did play for Millsboro. I mean, a reminder there. Okay, so with Brathwaite, we're, I, yeah, it's hard to say that he's gonna be or not be with Barcelona. He wants to stay, so I'm thinking there's just too yeah. many other guys to go first, and that's why again I continue to put the X next to Brathwaite if he really mm-hmm. is on the outs, and maybe Barcelona look to move him in January. But I think he will be registered in the fall uh, with Barcelona. I do, but then that leaves again Umtiti, Coutinho, Pjanic. Do you think any of those three? I mean, again, to get us to twenty-five, that's that was the goal was to get us to twenty-five, and I could it does, it, twenty-five is not set. It's not the La Liga I think limit. You could do twenty-three. With, yeah. Yeah. So I think there might. God, the Coutinho thing is tough. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, know. I keep talking myself into because like he was. No, 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 no! Don't with, talk yourself into the player. You, it's, it's. It's done. It's dusted. His time at Barcelona has to be over. It has to be. But if they finance, oh, no, no, no. Him, oh, I'm oh. sorry. No, I was trying to say it as kind of like his time, his decent moments at Bayern Munich weren't that long ago. Right. Like, we should be able to sell that <laughs> to some other team. Right. Okay. To be like, look, he's not completely. I know. I was worried. I was worried for you. you know? <laughs> I, I thought you were trying to talk yourself into Coutinho. I mean, that's, that's a dangerous place to be, Emil. <laughs> No, I've done I've done that in the past, but no, I've, I'm I'm off of that shit. Um, now, Coutinho. Now, the thing is, I do think that I think we wind up. I think there's a way that the the Pjanic thing works out, and they yeah, send him back to they send him back to Italy, and yep. I think that's I think that is going to happen one way or another. I think unfortunately we wind up. Look, and if he's healthy, it wouldn't make me sad if Umtiti was around. But like, you can never be guaranteed of his be. health. Yeah, yeah, he won't. And be. I think we're just gonna. I think the thing is like Barcelona are just going to like, you're kind of stuck with Umtiti at this point. Cause I just think he makes so much money and there's, I mean, unless Leon are willing to do something crazy, I don't think there's really a market for him. Yeah. So I think you just kind of have to ride out his contract. And well, I also think last year with the amount of players that were healthy at times, he would be yeah. on the, just like Mateus Fernandez, he would be on the game day roster he would actually be on the bench because Barca yeah. did. I mean, there were times in the Champions League where Barca would carry all three goalkeepers and they were all be sitting, that both of them, the Neto and yeah. Pena, would be sitting on the bench. There was even yeah. that one, what was it, a Copa del Rey, when it was all three of them. It was Neto, it was Pena, yeah. and it was Arnaud Tanas or Ter Stegen at the time, all sitting on. I mean, it's just absurd. So, yeah, that's why Umtiti would make the game day roster last year. But even with how the, even with trying to pull teeth, get to 25. I think you're right that Mtiti is going to be 
if he's too hard to move, this will be the season where he's just going to be getting the Gareth Bale or whoever, or the Hamas Rodriguez, where just yeah. his teammates can just wave to him in the stands. Like, why even why even get him a jersey size? Why even take his jersey <laughs> measurements? Because he can just wear his, you know, he can just show off his designer clothing and whoever he has deals with outside of Barcelona, he can wear those things in the stands. Because I think... You gotta figure out how to make friends with them. Maybe I can just go <laughs> hang out with him and watch the games. That's what him. I mean. So, I mean, it's <laughs> it's going to be no disrespect to the player. It's just going to be, if he is not, if, if basically the club is going to take the hard line that, hey, you know, we gave you the option to leave and play, you didn't want to take yeah. it. You wanted to get paid here. So we're going to pay you to sit in the stands. And that's a bummer for the club. But Barcelona being a quote-unquote super club, having paid what they did for him, having given him the raise that they did, he's just going to be in the stands. And this happens. Yeah. I think Barcelona actually fortunate to not be in this position in other times where there are like managers. Guys, yeah. Right, because their managers have been desperate. That being Kike Satin or even Valverde, they've been desperate to have to use everybody. Because I think those managers yeah. were going to be criticized if they did not try everything possible to get the results. Now, Kuman, right. I think, is in a position, even after last year was just the Copa del Rey, I think with the squad they have and the understanding the fans finally have of their financial situation and the situation yeah. with Umtiti, again, the abuse from Umtiti is going to be rough. The Kool-Aid abuse from Umtiti is going to be terrible because he's going to be sitting in the stands and they're just going to see a dollar sign. But this is what yeah. other clubs have to do. This is what Man United does. This is what Tottenham does. And this is not, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I, I'm saying it's a bad thing that, that, that this is what it's come to. It's the club's fault for paying him what they did. Yes, the knee injuries were unforeseen, but that was also three years ago that they couldn't negotiate, they couldn't work with him between now and three years ago to try to figure out some kind of solution for the player. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think Umtiti, we got there, Emil, 25. 25. <laughs> we did it. Yes. I mean, again, 25 is not a dead set number. It could be 23. It could be, and with you team players, it could be 24 with an extra third goalkeeper Neto if he doesn't leave. So it's not set in stone, but there you have it. There's the 25 players we think if Barca does go with 25 squad members, it gives 25 guys numbers. Those are the 25 we think that will get numbers. Titi's also already 23, so it's not like you have to give him a high number. So that, yeah, that's already exactly. set in stone. So, yeah, I think we did it, Emil. What do you think? Time to wrap up? I think so. I think, yeah, we got there. We got to 25. We got the four young guys who will uh, break their way, <laughs> break their way in. That's the, that's what we can dream on. You know, <laughs> like the, the, the MTT and Coutinho stuff, hopefully just kind of somehow, some way that, that works itself out. I'm, I'm looking forward to dreaming on the young guys. <laughs> just looking forward to the dead rubbers in the champions league where we can, where we can watch those guys just kind of do their work, their magic. Yep. And again, we don't want to also disparage all the other young players we saw. Again, Niels Mortimer or whether it's Peke Polo in the first one or Escobar. There are the other young players that are getting their shots. And the, you know, the five players in particular that I've been circling in the preseason and will continue to circle is Callado, Nico, Demir, Balde, and Gabi. Callado should be part of the first team or they send him out on loan. But those are the five that I'm saying, hey, yeah, yeah let's keep an eye on this because the preseason... As much as the first team, it matters. It doesn't matter for them other than the positioning of Memphis or trying to learn something about the chemistry between the new players. Again, Garcia won't even be here. So just trying to see. And then when Aguero finally shows up, he won't be here for a little bit either. But Aguero is Aguero. I think we know exactly where he'll be, who he is. And, I'm, you know, I think that'll that'll happen. So 
that's where I'm going to be watching, and I look forward to the next preseason, and I'll be talking to LeVon probably later in the week about all that stuff, if there are any new changes to any of these transfers. So we'll see you then, because I want to thank Emil, and for you, the listeners, for tuning into another edition of the show. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at the Barcelona Pod, closed Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast. You can ask us questions there. We do our La Ronda about every, uh, every month or so, and then the Patreon is how we keep making these shows. It's always, always appreciated with financial help over there. Then you can listen to these shows without the ads, with a little incentive to support the show on Patreon as well. We're also on YouTube with, uh, I did a match review, still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. That's at the Barcelona Podcast. And most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Forza Barca.